to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to thank you for being patient on our postponement of last week's episode. But we're back and ready back. for action. That's uh, right. So we're excited. We got a good buddy on today. Uh, we've got several other ones trying to get scheduled. It's been a little tough to try to get things uh, to align in a busy time, busy of, the time year. of year. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, uh, one thing that's been constant is our great partners and sponsors of the show, Walton Webcasting. I saw, Corey, that they're having the 2020 fall kickoff, another cyber yeah, stock yeah. show. Yep. So October 16th, right? That's it. That's it. And then they've got up. the Georgia Nationals uh, they've been at. And seeing some good stuff down there. I'm actually looking forward to getting down there for the Southeast Regional, not too far off. Yep. So, yep. oh yeah, Walton doing big things as always. Um, and it's been been occupying my time, uh, you know, between between trips or whatever. Always tune in, right. get on those archives. It was nice to get to watch the Arkansas Youth Expo. Oh in Tulsa. yes. Okay, just uh, pretty good doing really good things down there. I would like to get a hold of those guys uh, that put on AYE or at least some attendees because that show looked like a lot of fun. Uh huh. Yeah, and nice banners and backdrops and oh yeah, they did it up there in Arkansas. Big deal, big deal. Uh, would also like to thank Showpick.com because without Showpick.com, our website wouldn't exist. Did That's you true. know? Did you know that the great folks at Showpick.com can help with web design? That's true. Very That's what true. I've heard. Uh, and, and also, they've got a huge consignment sale coming up. The open. Oh yeah, and that's open 19. to the world. I think even if you have open to the world, two or three pigs, you can consign to the open every Monday. They have the if open. If you belong to the Red Waddle Association, you can consign pigs. Dude, that would be awesome. Or maybe our uh, Mission Mania people get those can... guys back. I, I mean, I don't know how successful their sale was, but. <laughs> I got a lot of Snapchats afterwards uh, of people utilizing missions in their breeding programs. So we might as well, you know, add, add to the, add to the pool of, of mission pigs hey. being sold in an online platform. Valuable so, stock. I'm just saying yep. we, we've heard, we've heard the best of it. So love no our doubt. folks at show pig as well. And uh, man, we've, uh, we've done a lot of things with them over the course of almost two years here. And, uh, we hope to do bigger and even more gooder things. Yes. More gooder things. So More gooder. Nice. Well, uh, I've been uh, thinking about my hats off, and I want to save my favorite one for next week because next week's a big week uh, for the Kirkpatrick household. Um, mm -hmm. But this week, I will do a hats off, of course, brought to you by Fierce Threads. Uh, look, we got our gear in, and I'm pretty pumped up about... Well, people can't see it, but I am wearing one of the new Stock Talk shirts as we speak, and it's very comfy. And I will and, say, uh, stylish. we have a long sleeve t-shirt option. The shirt that Corey is wearing right now, which is what we call the white Stock Talk bars shirt, along yep. with a all black v-neck for the ladies, available on our store right now at stocktalk-podcast.com. Yes, and uh, not to mention some some really cool... Uh, ways to become sponsors. I mean, you could you could shop right there online. That's right. It's all right there. So here we go. Got a hats off. Well, this one's pretty simple because uh, we're approaching farrowing season in in, mm. in the show pig world here, uh, November, December, January, Feb's. So my hat goes off to you, small wrist, small hand, but yet strong individual. You're the you're the person that is called on when the problem sal comes up, comes around and you need to be getting up in there and getting them out. Nobody likes to do it, but you got to have somebody available. So my hat goes off to you, professional pig puller. Small arms, small wrist, but yet still strong. Thanks for being there. It's so weird that you did that because mine also uh, is going to be along similar lines. In, in a lot of ways. So, this week, my hat goes off to you, the surrogate mother. Oh. The ones where we're in times of lambing, calving, kidding, 
or pigging that uh, have to become a human mother to a piece of livestock. You know who you are. You're really good at getting those those little little things moving. Get them nursing, whether that be on a bottle or on their mother. Yes. And uh, keeping them warm in the cold winter months. So my hat goes off to you, surrogate mother. Thank yeah. you. And also, like when they bring them into the house and they bring them back oh, to yeah. life, and that one becomes lucky. Get the heat lamp on them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Big things, big things popping. Well, I don't know if you want to include our guest in our Breed Him, Ship Him show because he's more than welcome to join if he would well, like. Well, you know, before we do that, let's let's just do one of these here. Let's do an intro for our guest. Let's do it, and then before we do Breed Him, Ship Him show, I like it, and then we'll we'll do that. Uh, at the intro of our guest. This is yep. good. This is good. Deal. So who do okay. we got, Corey? Well, this week, we've got a guy that comes from the East Coast of the United States of America that has been a West Texas transplant, a Midwesterner, an all-around stockman. We're talking about a guy that has coached judging teams, that has moved show pigs, that has sold cattle. We're talking about a guy that is in partnership on one U with Edge Club Lambs, who actually had triplets and may not have bred back. But you know what? That's besides <laughs> the point. He is an all-around great human being. Welcome to the show, Mr. Luke Ziegler. Hey, what's up? Sorry, I was hiding in the other room while Corey was doing the intro. I, uh, he hit me with a, now here's a guy like Chris Collinsworth on Sunday Night Football, so yep. I figured I'd do the Collinsworth slide in. There we go. <laughs> Lucas Ziegler in the house. Also a member of the dedicated December group that we yeah. uh, tried out last year, which I we're, we're still throwing around the idea. It's not out of the ballpark. Talk Luke to actually, Yeah, Luke actually just told me. He, he asked if we were going to do that again, and I said we talked about it, and we 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 are we're going to do it again. Yeah, and I um, talked to our fourth member, Jordan Marks, this morning. He said he hates that it's in December, but he's a team player and he could do it. So that's right. Well, uh, at some point in time, you just gotta you just gotta do it. Yeah, uh, I need it. So uh, we'll we'll come up with their credentials, and then of course our listeners need to be a part of it. Dedicated December was awesome last year. Uh, our guest Lucas Ziegler actually blew it out of the water and did dedicated twenty twenty. I, I crushed it and then I uncrushed it as soon as I got back on the road there, like about like right before expo or I guess that show in Des Moines, mm-hmm. um, right, right, right. As I started getting on the road, looking at boars and, and looking at pigs for that show, um, we, we ruined the entire December. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. the amount of Culver's and Chick-fil-A, uh, McDonald's stops on highway 80, uh, into Iowa, South Dakota, Nebraska, all those things, man, they, uh, they kind of can change your body composition in a rapid manner that I don't, oh, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Hot take, speaking of fast food, did you know that Luke Ziegler hates crinkle cut fries? What? They're very overrated. They're, they're common. They're, they're the basic, they're the most basic form of French fry outside of like shoestring French fries. I'm a seasoned guy myself. Um, I mean, I just like seasoned fries. I need, <laughs> I need some flavor in my life. Um, now, like the the uh, O'Reilly's, or no, that's the gas state. That's the auto. That's, like checkers and rallies. Yeah. Rallies. Yeah. I, I, rallies fries. I've literally got a bag of frozen rallies fries in my freezer. Good. Top, top five, top five fast food fry right there. Yep. Good pick. Pretty easily. Arby's is. Arby's is up there. We, we also Chick-fil-A, need to know. Typically waffle fries are up there. Yes. Oh, seasoned fries. Gotta love it. Uh, Corey is on fries with the Texas roadhouse rolls of fries. Like they're so dependent (laughs) upon the sauce and what you put on them. But I mean, standalone, they're, they're, they're they're fine. They're still good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corey is on location. Uh, they're in Illinois with, uh, I guess we should have, we should have said, you know, I should have said in my intro that we're, we're talking about a guy that, uh, moved his life from, Texas to the Midwest to be an NSR field staff. Uh, I should have, I failed to mention that. But. Well, we'll, we'll get into that here after yeah. a bit, but we've got Breedham, Shep, and Shom. Uh, I judged a show there in uh, Pickwick County last week. I had three people stop me while I was in the ring. Man, I love the new segment. Breedham, Shep, and Shom's awesome. So 
It's a big hit. Uh, and of course, Freedom Ship Show is brought to you by Formula of Champions Show Feeds, and it's a premium line of feeds sweeping the Midwest. These products are highly fortified using unique ingredients and consistent high-quality standards. To learn more on how to flip the switch and bring your program to the next level, check out formulaofchampions.com. Formula of Champions, a division of Kallenbach Feeds. So I'm just going to say, Derek on Facebook does it again. We asked for creativity in our last episode, and we got a bunch of them. So thank you for that. But this takes the cake in terms of creativity on our Breed'em Ship'em Show, because we're not talking about animals here anymore. No, lots of thought went into this one. I'm really pumped to see what what Zig's going to do here. Okay. All right. So here we go. This is a different look brought to you by Derek on Facebook. You've got a premier crossbred hog facility. However, you only have room for six crates in the Farron House. Show Barn is elite. The home place is in a valley right next to the lagoon, so there's no room for expansion. That's option one. See here, we're, we're sorting out facilities now. Mm. Option two, you buy a 300-acre grain farm. Then the blank state, blank slate, to create your own dream cattle operation. You've got $500,000 to build everything. Buy cattle, build your barn, put up fences, everything. But your wife has earnotched half of that for the house. So you got $250K going into a, to a house. It's mm. option two. Option three, you have the opportunity to work for somebody else. You've built up your own family's operation for 20 years. Taking this job... Let's you do everything you want. Make breeding decisions, go to shows, manage the show string. It's out of state, and you have to give up the home operation to take the job. You would become an industry leader overnight, but you have to give up your legacy. So here's the breed them, ship them, show them at a different look. So, okay, let's establish this first year before uh, Zig makes the decision as he evaluates so if you breed one the you you are married to it yes okay if you if you ship one that means that option is no longer on the table can't you know you don't make any money from it nothing like that if you show one in my opinion i would assume that that option means that you 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 can have that option, but you cannot do anything with it. I think you're flirting and, with the idea. In other words, you just, you have it, but you may, uh, let's just say if you show one, you get to pass it on to somebody else. Yeah, you can obtain it. You can obtain it, but you have to get rid of it yep. as soon as you do. Like, like Almost like a put it up and have to sell it kind of a deal. Like a, like a house flip situation. Yes. Yeah, I like it. All right, so if you're breeding one, that one's yours. If you're showing it, you're pretty much flipping it and selling it, shipping it. Gonzo, nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. Ziegler, what are we doing? I don't know. So, you sent me this last night, or I guess Corey did in our little quick turnaround um, with the the outline here. Um, I, I've thought about it a little bit, and I know that this will probably be sacrilegious given my current position in, in the hog industry. But I'm going to go ahead and ship that premier crossbred hog facility, and, and here's why: I think it's twofold. One. I think what we got here, lowest earning potential mm. of the three. I think the lowest earning potential probably lies there. Um, now, granted, you talk about just an elite show facility, there could be a lot of trading of pigs that yeah, goes on yeah, out of that deal. Do that. Uh, you know, that kind of just sneaks maybe under the radar that wasn't mentioned there, but there's an opportunity. But a big deterrent for me is right next to the lagoon. Oh, yeah. No room I, for expansion. Well, I don't like bugs, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and you're talking about setting up next to a body of water where in the dead of summer you're going to get eaten alive i mean absolutely eaten alive right we really have to develop a mosquito propellant program and i'd I mean, like I'm to gonna, know where this where, where this would be like what what corner of the united states maybe yeah interesting i mean with, with i could assume if there's a valley you're probably talking somewhere west yeah yeah, but I mean, you also talk about a lagoon that could be southeast, it Louisiana, could be southeast, Georgia, yeah. which is probably even worse for bugs, honestly. Alabama, yeah. Mississippi type area. We're talking humidity. We're talking about bugs. Yikes. 
Okay. okay. You're out shipping it. Got I'm it. I'm out. See you down the road. So I think it gets a little bit tricky here between your, what I would consider, you know, my dream operation there. Number two, um, with, you know, the hypothetical that your wife is ear notched to house folks, we're a long way from that going down for me <laughs> for the purposes of, of this option. You know, we'll, we'll discuss that, but, um, you know, the opportunity to work for somebody, I'm going to go ahead and show that one. Okay. You're sh- I'm you're going to say, say, thank you for the opportunity, but here's your, here's your, here's the person you really want. It's yeah. I'm going to say, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, but you, you got the wrong guy. You got okay. the wrong guy. Um, you know, I think that's something that that would be a great opportunity for anybody. Um, sure. You know, we've got, we've got our, our, our good friend here, Ben Lanig, who's got a similar gig going on there. Truthfully. I mean, I mean, you know, they just wrote up Ben Lanig's life, right? Yeah. There. Um, <laughs> Except for the fact that he still has been able to grow LBG, Lennox Landis, whatever you want to call it. He's been able to grow that there while at Adams. But, you know, I'm going to have to show that one and, and, and pass that off to Mr. Lennox. He's done a phenomenal job at that. I'm diving in on 300 acre farm. You know, in today's environment, you could you could do a lot with, with 250,000. I, I feel like building fence and putting waters in building the barn. It doesn't have to be magnificent by any stretch. Well, no. And Corey, I, I, we kind of discussed this a little bit last night is how handy are you? Right. Cause how you can buy some materials and if you're pretty handy, you can weld your pipe fence. You get somebody come up, put a pole barn in, you frame it in yourself. You run the electric. I mean, if you're handy, that 250,000 is going to go a long way. And with some strategic $10,000 cows, that's true. You can, you can fill that donor pen. You know, um, and, then, and then just buy a pot of recips and call yeah, it just good. buy buy some recips and, and run a pretty aggressive a uh, you know embryo transfer program there on the cow side of things. And even and if you aren't handy, let's be honest, we probably know somebody that is, or they right. know somebody who is. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good stuff. There's I I don't know that I really, I mean. Uh, That'd be, that'd be pretty good. I, I, I will say I, I would have a hard time giving up a family operation that I've built for 20 years. That, but, but that the premise of that one's pretty neat, honestly, because if you think about it, you know, you continue your own legacy, but yeah, you know, the family legacy, ugh, that would be tough to get to the curb like that. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing too. If you've been building that thing for 20 years and you haven't made it yet, I mean, are you going to, are you going to get the opportunity to go run somebody else's program? If you couldn't build your own to, to an elite level in that time frame? you know, maybe you're, maybe you're really good show barn help. Uh, but I don't know. That's a good question. Good point. Good point. Zig. Interesting. Okay. There it is. Breed them, ship them, show them. Thank to you. Thanks to uh formula of champions show feeds for sponsoring Breed Ship and Show Them. Keep those coming in, folks. We've got a, a, a few that are really good, and this is what we're talking about. Uh, we can go through sire names, but they're let's be honest, they're, they're not all that fun. Um, so there you go. There we have it. So here we go into our interview. Luke, I know we gave a little bit of a background uh, for the dedicated December episode, which was almost a full year ago. So uh, for our listeners that didn't, hear that episode uh just give us a little bit of background uh where you're from where you're at now and the points in between yeah you bet um luke stigler grew up in uh carroll county maryland which actually if you kind of look historically as far as that state and kind of some of the talent it's cranked out it's done pretty well um grew up in maryland um originally started big big crab cake and football guy crab cakes and football Shout out, shout out Dr. Rathman and his unhealthy obsession with the the movie Wedding Crashers. But um, so grew up in Maryland um, on the grandparents farm there, which was at at the time when I was when I was born, uh, had transitioned into a cow calf Angus, Sim Angus operation, sold everything at weaning to feed yard up in um, Pennsylvania, as well as having a uh, pretty strong custom beef business. We had, uh, you know, our own feed yard there where we fed things out at. Um, but as far as my show career, uh, started with some frame sheep folks. Um, mm. we had Monadale frame sheep that we got from, uh, the late, uh, Rod Chrome. Uh, he oh, was yeah. working for, 
uh, a lady there in Maryland at the time and kind of got us started on the frame sheet business. Uh, what what kind of frame sheet we're talking? We talking? Oh, folks, we had monodales. Well, what solid else? whites? That's it, just monodales. Well, we did it first, um, and then I remember a time you told me you, you were into the suffix. Oh boy, was I! Oh boy, was I! I mean, just just putting their heads on top of your shoulder and moving on. Yeah, join the uh, join the Suffolk Sheep Association. There bought me a, a little flock of, of Suffolk ewes and bought a buck from Sedalia. Oh, um, yeah. And that buck was undefeated. Ooh. Showed him all over the East Coast. Got, uh, got a lot of winning done. I thought you were going to say you showed him once. No, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Only one that showed up. <laughs> so, so uh, well, he. I mean, when he stood up, he stood up, folks. He, this he was, was a frame sheet back in early 2000s. And as a young man, I was probably stood, I, I want to say that I was five foot tall, but I don't think that was the case. Brace this bad boy with my chest, hands up over the head, um, <laughs> the whole nine yards. But man, did that buck look big. He, I mean, that, you know, at the end of the day, frame sheep, folks. Um, big sheep, big, big sheep big. over uh, smaller sheep. Yep. Transition from that into a little bit of a club lamb operation. Um, we bought set of and uh suffolk buck uh from actually originally the virginia tech sheep center oh. which used to be really really strong they had a lot of genetics that went back to tom slack stuff from yeah. iowa uh so as far Indiana. as like slick shorn oh, excuse me Indiana. i'm sorry yeah. i'm sorry it's fine disrespectful um but you know uh that tied back into to some of that genetics when suffolks at the time were kind of debating whether they were going to open up a slick division on the purebred side of things. There's a big debate yeah. there, but um, dove in there. My sister had some Shropshire's uh, that go back to Cavanagh's stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, judged, judged my entire show career there in Maryland. Um, and through that, managed to uh, find my way to West Texas uh, and Texas Tech University, where I was an in-house kid. Uh, had the opportunity to go to Butler, but chose a different route than the rest of the Marylanders who went uh, the Butler K State route. So, yep. all right, let me let me interrupt you. How did you decide, being from the Far East, Maryland, at that, where competitive livestock evaluator wanting to raise your livestock did the sheep thing? What led you to that area as far as Texas Tech or wanting to go to Butler and all that? What was there like a, you know, a Facebook ad or was there like a, <laughs> what was it that led you that direction? Um, well, at the time growing up, there was um, Chris Molnix had, had put on for years a contest called the old cattail classic. Um, Trevor, I don't know if you ever competed that. I know Corey did. Mm -hmm. I know Corey traveled from Indiana out there, but at the time that was a big time judging contest that we would get kids from Indiana, Ohio, I mean, all over the place that would come in for that contest. Cause if you wanted as a senior guaranteed to your scholarship to Butler. That's true. So that kind of having that contest in Maryland kind of put the idea in my head. I was like, Hey man, that, you know, this is an opportunity. Um, ended up winning that when I was in high school. So, so got the scholarship to Butler. Um, but I actually had a friend uh, that was on my high school judging team that went to Texas tech, uh, Mr. Drew Cashman. Uh, now works with uh, Smithfield up in Pennsylvania, or excuse me, um, Hormel. Hormel, yeah. I think Hormel. Um, I don't know. He works for a, a pretty good Hatfield Meats. Sorry. There it Third is. time's the charm. So he works for Hatfield Meats up in Pennsylvania, but he kind of initially got me down to my visit to Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, once I was on campus, I just canceled the rest of the visits. Didn't go to Kansas State, didn't go to AM, didn't go, didn't go anywhere else. Um, and, and for those of us who, who go to Tech, you know, I think that's a pretty similar experience for everybody is once you step on campus, you're home. Happened to me too. I, yeah, as soon as I got there, I was like, well, guess I don't need to visit anywhere else. This is where I want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, and I just wanted to do something a little different. Um, you know, I, I got exposure to, to Chris Molnix there in high school and um, clearly the footprint that he left in the state of Maryland's really big. Yeah. Um, and, and he kind of got the ball rolling there. Um, but I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to, to kind of blaze my own trail, so to speak. So went to Texas Tech and was called a Yankee for several years. <laughs> um, fought that for, for quite some time and still fight it with a bunch of my buddies down there. But um, judged Wool, which that was an experience. Yeah. Um, actually won hand spinning, the hand spinning wool judging contest at the National Western Stock Show. Um, 
I, I have so many questions. They were. Okay, there you go. I know. <laughs> so, folks, if there's any aspiring hand spin, hand spun fleece judges listening, just just play them on how shiny they are. The shinier one wins. Yep. Can you can you take like a magnifying glass or something just to reflect some light and see where it goes? No, we just had clipboards, man. <laughs> we just had clipboards. <laughs> um, so, Judge Wool had the opportunity to judge meets at Texas Tech, which if anybody's familiar with the meat judging world, I mean, it is like boot camp strict, like very, very important to Texas Tech University, that meat judging program. Um, I mean, we're talking super Saturdays, four o'clock in the morning for a year straight while you're in college. So you're giving up not only Friday nights, because going into the cooler after a night out in Lubbock, Texas, I did it once last time I did it. Not great to smell beef fat when you've been up for about <laughs> when you've been up for about forty eight hours straight. That's a bad idea. And then when you get done practice at about two a.m., you crawl out of the meat cooler. The sunlight hits you in the eye. You don't know what time it is. You, all you want to do is crawl in bed. Uh huh. Boot camp. Had a lot of times where I'd wake up at midnight. The you know that that evening, and I mean, I just didn't know which which way was up. Well, and then and then you'd have to study and try to pass your classes too, which very difficult schedule to maintain. And if I had the motivation to do it at the time, Corey, yeah. we went to college together. Yes. So let's be honest, neither of us had a strong inclination to study. Um, <laughs> followed up my meat judging career with a uh, livestock judging career there at tech. Um, you know, shout out Dr. Rathman didn't have a lot of faith in me being from Maryland, not going to junior college actually called me, Corey, you could attest to this, uh, called me R and D. Yeah. Um, we got back from the express workout, which if anybody's judged in college, you kind of know that that weekend there in Oklahoma, you go to Griswold's express. Um, I mean, see a lot of good cattle, had a nice weekend. And on the trip back to Lubbock, Ryan goes, Zig, I'll be honest with you. I don't think you're going to be very good at this. <laughs> Honesty. <laughs> and I mean, if you know, Rathman, like you could see him saying something like that and he'll make you feel about yay big. Um, yeah, he says, Zig, I, I don't think you're going to be very good at this. So here's what but, we're going to do. But he's smiling the whole time he, he's doing it, too. Oh, yeah. Real smug like Yeah. That skinny, skinny, that pencil neck harassment. Um, <laughs> but so he he tells me, he says, here's what we're going to do. Folks, you're going to be R&D, research and development. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to have you say just the craziest things in the room. And if it scores, you can bring it back and tell the rest of the team. If not, we bury it, never bring it up again. <laughs> it's but on that you. is your purpose. So, you know, me, ultimate guy that's always had a chip on his shoulder since, I, I mean, I grew up at, you know, four foot five, like it's hard to not develop a chip. Um, so I said, you know what? Forget that. I said, I'm going to make you mark me. And so, you know, had the opportunity to, to judge on a very competitive team that swept the state of Texas won Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, and then were uh, fortunate enough to win the national championship there in Louisville. Same year, Trevor, that you were high individual in swine. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that I had also won a species. I was one point away from grabbing that shiny, shiny Hereford bull, and I wish that was sitting on my mantle right now, but didn't get it done. Wasn't the cards. Wasn't in the cards. Wasn't in the cards. Well, you know, so so Trevor, to answer your question, no, there was not a Craigslist ad posted for li- or for judging uh, kids wanted in the state of Texas <laughs> for Luke to be able to venture down there and find Texas Tech. Oh, yeah, I mean, crazy. I've just kind of, I mean, I've just kind of <laughs> rambled here, but um, you know, career wise, after I graduated Tech, took the first job that was available to me, which I wouldn't suggest doing that. Went to Morgantown, West Virginia, wild town, by the way, absolutely insane. Managed the sheep research center up there. Saw some things. Um, met some people. Met some people. Didn't make it long. Uh, left that job in about six months, and then uh, transitioned to, back to coaching uh, at Clarendon College there in the Panhandle of Texas. Which um, you know, if you've got some older listeners, they can remember back in the Jerry Hawkins era. You know, Jerry was one of those guys that was instrumental in actually getting junior college livestock judging started. Um, you know, he was one of the first coaches on the junior college level there and um, made an impact, you know, that, that's lasted for a long time. So I was very honored and privileged to be a part of that team um, there at Clarendon and 
train some guys, uh, train some pretty talented kids. And then uh, from there, you know, realize that being a, being a young guy who maybe doesn't have the connections, you know, I said, Hey, I've got a network. I've got to expand my circle here. So uh, the, the opportunity came to work for the national swine registry. I've been here for a year and a half. Uh, you know, it's been a really great job. So now I live in Illinois, quite a bit different tax rules up here than it was in Texas, but uh, very much so, uh, you know, we've made the transition. That's, you know, I will just say that we're, we're, we're making it. Oh, so, yeah. So Luke, let's, uh, let's dive into uh, what it's like being a fieldman. Because I feel like there's not just a whole lot of people out there that realize the amount of hours that go into, if you're going to do your job right, the amount of hours that go into making things work like they're supposed to. So from a from a from a show standpoint, uh, from helping uh, folks get connected with certain breeders or or you know finding what they're looking for, that sort of thing. So give us a look into what it's like day to day in your current role, you know, herd visits, show and sale preparation, the long days, nights, it shows that sort of thing. Just little, little, uh, 50,000 foot view there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a multifaceted position. Um, you know, as far as your responsibilities, they kind of fluctuate based on the time of year. Um, you know, I, I started right before the world pork expo last year. Um, and boy, we were thrown to the fire. I didn't know what to expect, what was going on, running 12, 14, 18 hour days to try to get that show put on, um, you know, kind of running myself into the ground there. But, you know, as far as the day to day and, and, the, and the herd visits go, um, you know, you kind of will probably take a day Monday, um, make phone calls, get some stuff set up and then you'll run, um, you know, you'll run for four five, six, seven, eight days in a row. Um, you know, and you try to kind of get your map schedule out and go visit, visit folks and, um, you know, try to schedule things that way, but, um, constantly running, constantly on the road. Um, you know, as far as the, the show side of things go, um, you know, I think that, that we've received quite a bit of a positive feedback, especially this year. Um, I think mm. people are, are a little bit more appreciative of the efforts that go into running those shows, but, you know, um, it's a sprint, but it's also a marathon. Mm -hmm. It's a marathon of sprints trying to put on these shows. If that makes any sense. Um, you know, we'll get there a few days beforehand. We'll set up pens. We'll get the show ring ready. Um, things like that. Um, you know, kind of organizing how trailer traffic is going to come in stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the big one in Des Moines, we're, we're talking going the overnight shift, you know, running on 36 hours, no sleep, getting those hogs moved in getting pens ready and then go grab you a quick nap at the hotel, come back um, and start checking in people, breaking classes till 10, 11 midnight at night. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on during those weeks of the shows that people maybe don't realize. So, um, you know, when you come up and, and shout at somebody because, Hey, stuff happens at a facility and mm -hmm. you know what? We blew a breaker right here by my pen and I'm going to yell at you because you're the person wearing the shirt. Mm hmm there's oh. a lot of tongue biting. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of verbal abuse sometimes, but it ultimately um, it's a very rewarding job to be able to see those kids get out and show and um, be able to, to work with people and meet people in the industry. Um, you know, I, I, as a judge, you know, as a livestock judge in college, um, that was something that I, I loved. just wide eyed going to different people's facilities um, going to their people's facilities, seeing, right. seeing that meeting people, talking to people. And, and that's what I really enjoy about my job is, is that side of things too. So how many different facilities have you been in that you would like pull things from to build like your ultimate show barn? Would you, or is there somebody that already has the one, like wouldn't change a thing? Oh, I've got, I mean, I've got a mental note. Like I've got a mental notebook that like when you go into show barns, uh -huh. like I take notes on all of it mentally and I'm like, Ooh, that's like, that's, that that's a slick up, idea. Like that work and facility sweet. Like as far as like the cattle side of things, I think yeah. Brian Martin has just an awesome setup down there. Right. Um, I think Brian Martin's got an awesome setup for cattle. Brandon Horn, obviously his setup's incredible on the cattle side of things. Hogs, Adam Beck show barn set up. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I like his barn set up quite a bit. 
Um, but honestly, the most impressive like hog facilities I've seen from a show barn standpoint, high schools in the state of Texas. <laughs> like when you're yeah, like, like if you've got the if you know, if you go to one of those high rent, you know, higher money school districts down there in Texas and get to walk through their facility, it's pretty like, special. When when they've got it shined up and they've got 80, 90, I was gonna bears say if they're feed, feeding like, 100 bears and things they gotta be <laughs> like gotta it's be something to behold. Like it, I mean, it's just like your eyes light up and you're just you're like a kid in Christmas. Like you're just looking this way, you're breaking your neck just to yeah. try to take it all in. I just couldn't imagine growing up in that environment and not knowing any different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you walk in there and that's just a normal thing for you. And you and they probably see things that they want to fix or change about it. But then you know, you walk up and you know, we're feeding we're feeding two gilts out of a wash rack because we don't have any room for them <laughs> we got sheep on the rest of the barn yeah no, I, I can remember some of just the the strange faces that our my teammates would make we would go you know somewhere in the midwest or something and, and we'd judge pigs and and we'd get out there and just you know sows running on pasture and stuff like that and they just like what is going on here like i'm used to you know i'm used to my ag chapter having this fancy you know this fancy setup I was like hey out here in the climate real world, control. folks. Out here in the real world, folks. We got to make it work. Yeah, the climate control is directly affected by the season of the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. no doubt. The uh, Cargill units are not climate controlled in any way, shape, or form. No, no doubt. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Break from our one of our great sponsors. Are you ready to take your marketing and design to the next level? Tarbell Marketing and Design is a livestock-savvy marketing agency that will get you thinking out of the box. Every first-time customer can get 15% off if you mention Stock Talk Podcast. Visit ChooseTMD.com today. The difference is in the details. All right, I hope Zig. Jay still likes that. I mean, it's, it's just it's, been a... We're it, letting it... It took quite a time to make, so I hope he does. It did. All right, Zig. So here's a here's a question I've been meaning to ask you in person and maybe in private, but let's just do it on the, the most public platform that we have. Uh, so in your current position, being an NSR rep, have you had any pushback of being the quote unquote non pig guy with your background of sheep and some cattle? Or has this been a benefit to kind of bring in that fresh idea? Yeah. Absolutely. There's been pushback. I mean, just to say it, to put it plainly, like, absolutely. Um, you know, I know, I know when I got the job, um, first off, there was a debate amongst the board and leadership at the time is, Hey, are, do we even need this position? Are we even going to fill it? So to me, that was the first mountain to climb mm. was proving that, Hey, this position brings value to the national swine industry. And more importantly, it brings value to our membership. Right. Um, and that was the initial mountain to climb, um, you know, but to put it, put it frankly, yeah, there, there was a lot of pushback. Um, you know, every herd visit I, you know, kind of went on that first six, seven months there. Um, it really felt like guys were, were just giving me a hard time and trying to, trying to uh, test me mm. um, in any way they could, you know, you know, this board, you know, that board, what do you think of that hog? What do you think of that hog? And I, and I mean, it wasn't, to me, it didn't necessarily feel like a normal conversation. It felt like, Hey, we're going to test this guy and we're going to see if he's got what it takes um, to hang with us. And um, you know, hopefully that was the, you know, it was well received as far as how I handled that situation. Um, you know, kind of in this second year now that I've kind of got into the groove and made a lot of really good connections and relationships, I think now I think I really recognize the pushback that I probably got that first year because now I'm kind of starting to hear some of the things that may have been said right during my first year now that I've made it through that first year. <laughs> um, you know, like, I won't like, like, hey, man, we didn't really think you were going to be cut out for this. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> but kind of proved us wrong. Like, hey, we didn't think you'd be very good. Um, or as Rathman say, I just don't think you're going to be very good at this. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, there seems to be a theme here. Yeah. You know, um, you know, one, one thing that really comes to mind is, uh, John Hanker. And he was one of my first herd visits as I started. Um, you know, like literally one of my first two herd visits yeah. was went and saw John and Wayne the same day. 
And, uh, you know, John may never admit this, but, but talking to some folks, they're like, yeah, man, John was just like, who is this sheep kid from Maryland? <laughs> um, you know, what, like, what has, what has Clay's willing done to the national swine registry, bringing this kid in It's the worst thing ever. Um, you know, and now John is one of my absolute favorite herd visits to go to, um, yeah. you know, like just talking about, um, pigs and talking about life and, and just talking about everything, you know, getting to spend time with John and anybody that's met John is, you know, probably has a similar experience, just enjoying spending time with him. Um, but you know, I I've really enjoyed the relationships that I've made. I've met a lot of really good people that have supported me, um, through this, you know, John's one of the, the first guys that, that come to mind as far as good relationships I've made Kyle Beatty, um, that big seven foot tall guy out there in Nebraska, um, you know, we've still got to have a one-on-one basketball match up here pretty soon to see who can take each other. <laughs> um, you know, Adam Beck um, has, you know, really been a great resource for me on the Borstead side of things. And, you know, I want to say that I've been a resource for him as well. You know, that last dance board, a solid white board. That's, that's a pretty good show pig right there. I mean, uh, with, yeah, I went to went to Beck's open house. That thing was wicked. I mean, as soon as he walked in, everybody shut up and quit talking and just like watched watched him move. Yeah. I Shout mean, out to Trogdens, by the way. Good pig. Yeah. Jared and Eric doing big things. Um, so, uh, you know, Adam calls me this year. He's like, hey, what's the best board you've seen? I said, Dude, I don't know if he's got a place in the Midwest, but there is a solid white crossbred boar. You've got to see. He, uh, I mean, makes my heart flutter just a little bit. Those are the good kind. No, um, that's something I've always kind of wondered because, you know, you hear you hear talk. You don't know if it's true or who's who said what and this, that, and the other. But, uh, you know, in our Du Bois episode that we had there uh, with the, uh, the big group, I'll call my groomsmen, just also good friends, I mean, the Lennox had nothing but good things to say about you. And it, it is funny, though, because I think some of those uh, old school guys have seen a lot of change recent. And when they have an opportunity to test people, and it's probably not just you that they've done that to, uh, you know, you've obviously passed with flying colors just to kind of see if you know hogs, if you're just a kid, if this, that, and the other. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would assume you're you're pretty well broke in now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I got broke in the hard way at Expo. I mean, just, you know, we you know, we talked about that a little bit, but you know, I think kind of my approach with this job was it's probably been my approach to most things in life is just put your head down and go do it mm-hmm. and just hustle. Um and get out there and pound the pavement and see as much country as you can and for those folks that are willing to let you on their facility go. Yeah. Um a, a big focus of mine too has been focus on the little guy. Um you know, obviously I enjoy my visits to, um, you know, the bigger producers and stuff like that, but man, getting to some of these guys that, you know, you, you sit there, you talk to us and man, I haven't, I haven't had a herd visit in 10 years. Yeah. You know, wild. I haven't, I haven't seen somebody here in 15 years or something like that. And you know, that, that's not a knock on anybody who's had the job prior to me. You know, it's just, you can get so caught up in this job, just traveling, trying to see everybody with the show schedule that falls within it. And then you've Mm. got to realize like you've got to have some, some work life balance and home life balance. Like you got to be home to pay your bills. I I can't tell you. I mean, you can't set everything up on auto. I mean, mean, there's been multiple times that, that I've, you know, paid a electric bill or internet bill or something late because I'll be gone for two, three weeks at a time. And Oh, Oh no. Like, you know, <laughs> I, am I coming back? Is my water still going to be, sh- you know, on things like that? And um, you, you've got to kind of find that balance and that makes it makes it challenging. But it's also a, a really, really rewarding position that that I've gotten a lot out of for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. That's good stuff. I, I think, uh, you know, I everybody has been pretty open to the idea now that you have been tested by fire and, and enjoy your, your time and visits. So, well, we're going to flip quite a bit here, go to a different species and we're going to break something down in the cattle industry. Brought to you by Brad Howe Ford, Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, Mr. Edge, I think you need to take this one. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I have just recently experienced a buying experience with Brad Hal Ford. Let me tell you about a little something. So the other day, <clears throat> it's probably been a couple of weeks ago now, actually, but uh, I text Baxter Hal, huge supporter of the show, uh, show pig guy, uh, and obviously uh, very, very involved there with the Brad Hal Ford operation. I said, Baxter, listen, I'm making a, a you know, an 80 mile trip to work now, uh, one way, probably, probably not going to cut it with my uh, Chevy 1500 in terms of fuel economy. Help me out. I said, here's what I'm looking at. Uh, would like to look at a, a, another truck option, half ton diesel, by the way, if, if anybody's looking to get a half ton truck, do not get anything, but the half ton power stroke diesel or it, it just, it's incredible. Uh, Anyway, but so Baxter sets me up, uh, pretty much do get a lot of it done over the phone, uh, go test drive. It, it all worked out great. I mean, we say it every week, award-winning customer service. They ain't lying. Mm-hmm. They'll take care of you. Anyway, Brad Halford, great, great folks to buy a vehicle from. Buying process has been extremely easy. Anyway, Zig, let's talk about something that I, I know you're quite passionate about. We're going to talk about haired cattle versus slicks, specifically in the show steer ring. Let's talk about the debate of which is better that has gone on for years, but quite possibly even a whole century. I don't know. Uh, has, Has the haired cattle ring become a hair growth and fitting contest more so than it has been a breeding better livestock contest? And then uh, maybe touch on your experience, because I know you have some, with the management and feeding differences between those. Well, this is a good one. And I'm going to try to navigate these waters without upsetting anybody. Um, but well, good luck. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm going to give you my opinion on it. So to be completely honest with you, I love slick cattle. That is like, I think they are the coolest things ever. I think they are hard to make. And when you see a great one, your jaw's going to hit the floor. There's nothing like a good tiger. Strike. I mean, there is, I mean, I'm, oh, we can, we can get, into, we can get to, uh, we can get to some, uh, some eared cattle, some Americans pretty quick. Um, you know, I see, I've told you, you guys need to get Cody Lucek on here. I know. And, I know. I mean, and I talked to Cody a while back. We, yeah, it's going to happen. Oh man. Getting him talking about Americans and talk about, you know, they've done it with, uh, honestly, a lot of times half blood Brangus influence. Yeah. And I mean, it's been, you know, they've had a tremendous amount of success down there in the state of Texas, but look, the end of the day, I like slick cattle a little bit better. Um, I think from a confirmation standpoint, I think they are more challenging to make because when you step into the slick cattle ring, it is nine times out of the 10, nine times out of 10, the most unique animal is going to win. Right. Cause, cause they're all bred to have enough muscle. For the most part. Right. And, and and they're all bred, you know, they, they got to have some, some balance and look to them. So they're like big bears. The next level. I mean, exciting. I, they're just not nothing to hide. What you see is what you get. Oh yeah. And like, so a big difference I see just as people evaluate cattle, you look in the hair ring and then there, you know, there's a lot of words that are thrown around. You talk about balance, you talk about completeness um, in haired cattle. Um, and I think at times you get that fine line, common and complete, fine line, common and complete. You know, you're not going to use one that's too messed up in the mm-hmm. hair cattle deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could. You're not going to get asked to judge a lot more. You know, you're not going to get asked to judge after that, but you could do it. Um, but to me, I think on the haired cattle side of things, you know, you look at them at ba- as babies and they've got three, four inches of hair on them. And I think that people can get fooled buying cattle that way. Um, you can get fooled in the ring. Somebody clips a big stifle into them. Um, you know, I got fooled at Tulsa, um, place to steer class almost backwards in judging. Um, <laughs> I think Rathman almost wrung my neck at that moment and said, we watch hair cattle as they walk directly away from us because fuzzy doesn't mean big muscle. Folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think slick cattle are tremendously hard to make to get their hip shape right. Um, 
you know, historically, if you look at cattle, higher tail sets were a negative thing. Yeah. Uh, because you talk to old dairy guys and to them, a high tail head correlates to narrow pins. Yep. Mm. But then you go down and you look at the slick cattle and they want that tail head just a nickel higher because it helps level that hip out without being able to clip one into them. Right. Cause the front side of their hip will tie better into their top line. I, you know, and just making that pin bone look like it's a little bit leveler. A slick steer flank might be one of the more challenging things to breed into them. Yeah. You, you don't have flank here, folks. No. I mean, you, you can't build a big sappy flank that if your show heifer takes the wrong step, it just falls out. <laughs> if you didn't do a good, job, good enough job gluing them into it. So, you know, I think there's some really challenging things from a breeding standpoint. I know that everybody that's not familiar with the slick cattle thing says, well, they can't move. Folks, to pull that kind of muscle, you've seen a bodybuilder. Those things are not sprinters. Slick cattle are the bodybuilders of the steer world. But they, they can make them things sound, though. Well, I, the, elite, the elite ones, oh, man, it's so cool to see. With that, you know, the just to be able to – my biggest thing with, with the slick versus hair deal is just how well those things can balance. And like, just truly tie everything together from a structure standpoint, more uniquely, in my opinion, than haired cattle can. Well, and that to me, like you talk about structure and slick cattle, what's your definition of structure? Right. Are, are you talking about something that's just so tremendously soft and smooth in their joint work and can just get out there and float? Or are you talking about one whose angles read right, their shoulder lays onto them, right? But the angle of their hawk is good. Standing there, you've got no problems with them, but hey. Maybe they just come up a nickel short in their step because their hips mile wide, mm. you know, and you talk about balance. Balance is phenomenal. Being able to get that flank in it, but oh, it's really four rib chest, upper body shape. Just it's, oh. but I think as you look at slick steers, maybe there's more of an emphasis on look. And in my opinion, look and balance are different things. I, I don't disagree with that. You're talking about a whistle fronted long necked, deal yeah. long next year that still has that kind of power behind it mm-hmm. that's that's not an easy thing to not an easy thing just to trying do. to build them like polar bears yeah <laughs> i mean you, you talk about a hair growing contest you know man I, I really hate to say that it is but i think that there's there's a big gap in terms of management in different parts of the world oh yeah because they who you talk about just the talented fitters and and people putting in the extra time and work uh, on these. And I'm not saying that there's not a lot of time and management that goes into getting a slick one's hide right. But it is quite impressive to walk through a Midwest State Fair steer barn and just watch some guys go to work. It is so much fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I think the, the haired cattle deal – maybe gets a nickel top heavy. Um, I mean, in Texas, Fort Worth, that's not the case. You've got, you know, you get into class 10, 11, 12 exotics and you're going 20, 30 deep of good ones. But, you know, I think that the haired cattle deal gets maybe a nickel top heavy because when you're showing in the summertime and you've got four or five, six inches of hair on these cattle, you're, you're you know, you get into issues of are those things going to stay on feed? Is that hair going to die if you turn them out too early at night? You've got to have them inside all day because if you're getting an August, you know, you're getting ready for an August show, July, 90, 100 degree day, and you've got a haired calf on there, there, there's a slim margin of error that you can have. Yeah. And not everybody has the facilities to man it, to maintain hair throughout the summer, coolers, things like that. Um, you know, that's why I think the, the, you know, the, the, the hair deal maybe gets a little top heavy, um, you know, as far just as sheer facilities, food, you know, what, 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 right. what do you have to manage with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as far as management and feeding differences, I think just the end goal is different. Um, you know, I think on the slick cattle, you know, there's a big emphasis on getting these to things to handle mellow and smooth and, making sure these cattle are market ready when you get your hands on them and things along those lines, you've still got to get them to handle wide up top. But I think maybe at times that's maybe more white tissue than red meat. 
mm. on haired cattle sometimes. Yep. Mm. Um, whereas when you get that hair off and you can see everything, there is such an emphasis on compositional correctness in slick cattle, mm-hmm. making sure these things are smooth in their degree of finish. And, and we're not, you know, they're not going to try to feed them to seven, eight, nine tenths in the slick cattle ring. That's not going to happen. Now they're may, they're going to be a hair steer. That's going to cut that fat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would argue that there's not a ton of slick cattle that win that are going to be that fat. Those things are going to be right on the money at half an inch. Their back is going to be just outrageously wide. They're going to have a huge hip on them and they're going to be, they're going to be cool to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously we talk about, it's still hard to manage skin and hair. True. I mean, cause when you slick those things off, if you didn't take care of their hair when they had it, when you slick them things off, you could get some dry skin. You can get some issues there. I mean, true, true. It, there, there's, there's, uh, I don't know. There's different levels of work between each uh, that I think it takes to, to, to stay competitive. Um, hey, how about this though? We, we talked about this earlier, uh, actually last year uh, in an episode, but you know, the great state of Indiana has has uh, added a slick steer division. What are your thoughts on getting the slick cattle ideal uh, into the Midwest or, or to different parts of the world other than the South? Oh, I'm about it. I mean, I'm all about more slicks. The more slicks, the better, folks. I love these things. <laughs> I want to see them at every show. Um, I mean, they are unique creatures. Um, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I know that there's certain people that talk about, well, the slick cattle game, I, they talked about it on shoot side a little bit vaguely. And oh, Ferris yeah. talked about yeah. it a little bit there. But, you know, they well, you know, there's certain people that think the slick steel, steer deal levels the playing field. I, I don't necessarily believe Probably that. makes it harder. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, I think the families that are successful will continue to be successful as, as the slick steer deal expands um, because you got to have a good eye. you got to be able to manage things well, things mm-hmm. along those lines. But what I do think it does is I think it opens opportunities for breeders to diversify their genetics, to breed things in a different way. Like for me in my program, um, you know, I, I'm tremendously hard on my cattle. Those things don't get sold as show steers unless they are, in my opinion, up to snuff mm-hmm. because we've got a really strong custom beef market that, hey, this one ain't good enough. Put them on the feed yard, get them fat, and we can go sell them to somebody half steer, quarter beef. Make, whole, make, whole, and make, and make a premium. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and still, still, you know, generate some revenue that way. Um, but, you know, for me, because, you know, just the location of where my cattle are out east, blow and go shows. Most of them are blow and goes, right? Mm. Um, there's not a tremendously high volume of people that can grow hair, that can maintain hair, things along those lines. They can still take care of them. They can right. get in there and wash them and blow them every day, but maybe they don't have the facilities to get hair growing. Right. So I've kind of taken a different approach and I've started implementing slick steer genetics on the East Coast. Mm. Um, not only do I like those kinds of cattle better, but I think to me, it makes sense in that region of the world where you're showing in the summertime, why not try to make really good cattle that maybe only have a half inch to an inch of hair on them instead of, well, we're just going to try to make these things yak hair and maybe the quality of cattle sacrifice as a result, because we're breeding for, we're just breeding for different outcomes. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. That makes sense. No, totally. I love that deal out in Indiana. I thought that was an interesting seeing them next to the haired ones too. Uh, yeah, it's it's really fun to watch. And I hope there's more of them out there. I just I think they're fascinating animals. Uh, easier for this non non-cattle guy to read. All right, another break, folks. Legacylivestockimaging.com. That's where you need to go to capture the images that they've captured. Guys, I don't care if you're getting ready to get married, if you want your family photos taken, or of course, inside and outside of the show ring. Legacy Livestock Imaging does it right. And don't forget, they sell their prints online at LegacyLivestockImaging.com. All right, Zig, we're going to close out the show with the last question that we do in season two. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned 
while being involved in the show stock industry? There's a lot of them. Uh, I mean, obviously it's kind of hard to narrow it down to, to certain of them. And I, I think that the lessons that I've learned in, in this deal to me have, I guess, changed, or I guess I didn't necessarily learn them um, really until I got to college and, and really got a true taste of what the industry looks like. Um, Cause it doesn't look the same in Maryland. It just, it just flat doesn't, um, you know, it's, it's a different culture out there. Um, it's maybe one that doesn't reward success in the show ring as well as some other places. A um, lot of rules uh, made for the sake of making rules and, and things along those lines. And I, you know, I'm not going to dive into those things, but you know, when I got out into Texas, into the Midwest, got exposure to what the industry really can and does look like, um, you know, it, it taught me how to fail and it taught me how to struggle and it taught me how to climb uphill battles. Mm. Um, you know, and it back in the, in the great state of Maryland, I think things probably came a little bit easier to me. Um, you know, now I showed average stock. We're not gonna, we're not gonna avoid that and just say, man, I was just winning all these shows, but maybe in the judging world. And I know it's kind of hard if you look at me now, compositionally, I'm not what I once was, <laughs> but you know, as a, as a, as an athlete growing up, maybe things were just came a little bit easier to me. So I didn't really learn how to struggle until I got into college and got around people that could, could put me in my place and, and whip up on me in the judging world and things along those lines. So, you know, I think it's being able to, to fight that uphill battle, um, to be able to overcome adversity and say, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe I wasn't born with, with a name. Maybe I wasn't born with finances. Maybe I wasn't born with, you know, land rich or, or stock rich or whatever you have it, but there's still an opportunity in this business for you to be successful. Uh And for those of us who maybe don't come from a strong background, people have no idea who we are when we get started in this. You've got to be opportunistic. Right. And I think that's something opportunistic and work being opportunistic and having a strong work ethic, in my opinion, has gotten me to somewhat climb the ladder. You know, everything I've done, not necessarily has been calculated, but as an opportunity opens up for me or a door opens up, I'm going to take it if I think that it can get me where my end goal is. Mm, Right. Um, And I think that's something that folks who, who maybe are are struggling right now and, you know, man, how am I just going to find a place in this industry? I I don't know where I fit. It's a struggle for me. What have you, when that opportunity opens up, you better take it. Um, You know, for me, it was, it was tough to travel out to Texas and be away from home and things like that. But now to me, that that's where I call home is West Texas. Yep. Um, you know, that's where I'd like to, you know, eventually get back to. Um, but as those opportunities up, you need to take them and you need to act quickly because they don't last, a tr- they don't last a long time. You know, opportunity came up to go to Texas to, to go to school An opportunity came up to go to Texas and, coach a judging team the opportunity came available with the national swine registry you know it, it, if you're somebody who wasn't born with opportunity you better take it when it presents itself i think the old saying goes you know the good lord equally distributes talent in this world but he doesn't equally distribute opportunity mm-hmm. and when that opportunity presents itself you better take it and you better make the most of it because you never know if there's going to be another one. Amen. Whoa. Good stuff. I, uh, I would encourage anybody that that's Trevor, you know, Trevor and I kind of talk similarly, you know, back when we started this podcast, of, you know, when we started this thing, I was living four hours from home, you know, didn't really get a whole lot of time spent, um, out in the barn and, and raising livestock. Um, you know, and Trevor at the time had like, one sow and, 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 you know, was, was trying to keep his path of breeding livestock in, in, uh, in motion. But at the end of the day, we were like, Oh man, if we're really hungry for this and we want to chase, 
uh, our, our goals uh, of being completely surrounded and involved and in, invested in this industry, we got to, we got to do stuff for ourselves. You got to create opportunity too, which I think is another thing that you've done, Luke, that I think because of your, you've recognized, you know, when those opportunities came like, man, how can I create the, the next step for myself? How can I help myself open doors and, and through whether it be through certain connections or just people you've met along the way, those things work. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty nice to be able to feel like you're, there's a place for you through, you know, through doors that open up. Yeah. You bet. And, and like, I think, you know, you can take that whichever way you want. You could say, well, man, that, that might be a selfish way of thinking It's just, you know, take care of yourself. And, but Hey, you've got to run your own race. Um, you know, and, and I've always fancied myself somebody that's going to help people that ask that that's going to take care of those in my circle and, and I'm willing to, to help anybody that, that, you know, needs guidance or what, what have you. But um, my old high school wrestling coach, you know, jumped me one time and it's something that stuck with me to this day. Um, you know, we were, I was, you know, having my senior year was kind of, you know, struggling and I was messing around in the, in the practice room, not really taking anything serious was just kind of goofing off or what have you. And he just looks at me and says, what, what do you want to accomplish this season? I said, well, I want to make state finals. We'll be state champion, which state champion never ended up coming, but he says, well, it's time to get selfish. There may be people in this room that aren't taking things seriously, but it's time to get selfish. It's not about fitting in. It's not about being nice. Get selfish and take care of what you got to take care of. And I think that this livestock industry at times is the same way. Sometimes you got to be a little bit selfish and take your opportunities and make something of yourself. Um, the word that comes to mind is what meritocracy, right? Mm. You, you know, you achieve things based on your ability. And if you don't show off that ability and take the opportunities to show off that ability and use your ability and talents, then you're never going to, you're, you're never going to push yourself forward. Definitely. Mm. Love it. Deep stuff. That's uh, something we all can take note of. And um, I think we might've just uh, labeled this episode a couple of times there, Corey. So, yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Zig, thanks for joining us, man. It's been a really fun, good conversation, and I hope uh, everybody's going to enjoy this just as much. Folks, don't forget to keep sending in your Breed'em, Ship'em, Show'ems. Uh, they're fun to, to read. We've got a lot more. And Corey and I are going to draw out uh, or, uh, next week's episode of Who's Going to Win That Free Hat. So keep yep. sending them in. Uh, we'll do another 10 episodes after that. And also, we've got some merch, some brand new merch on our website, stocktalk-podcast.com. Uh, go to the store and you'll find some new merch there. So um, sorry again for last week, brief postponement, uh, but we're just going to keep on trucking forward. So with that, we hope to see you next week. We plan to see you next week. I guess I can't assume <laughs> anything anymore. Uh, but with that being said, guys, thanks for always being there and uh, find that new merch on the store. We'll see you, hopefully, plan to be next week. Peace out.